If it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. Welcome to another edition of the Out of Bounds podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I'm Nate Sharman, joined by Josh Derso. Josh, another big week of John Rahm domination. But before we get into the PGA Tour... We got to do our little spot about Liv here off the top. What do we have here out of the uh, Saudi back tour? God, do we ever. Uh, so Liv and the CW have agreed to terms on a broadcast TV deal for the 2023 season. It's going to be streamed on the CW app as well. It appears we're not going to be seeing Live Golf this year on YouTube. Greg Norman called it a momentous day for Live Golf. He says the partnership is about more than just media rights. Uh, he said the CW will provide accessibility for our fans and maximum exposure for our athletes and partners. Uh, it's worth noting that CW reaches about 120 million U.S. households. Uh, Nate, on on the surface, I'm curious, like what what were you thinking when this news broke? Obviously, it broke over the weekend, right? Um, but what were you thinking when when you saw it? It actually broke about seemed to be like a couple hours after we got off last week's podcast. So that's yeah. always how that works, right? Yeah. But yeah, I you know I've said it from the from the jump here. Liv needed to find a way to get on television. Yep. Um, I didn't expect them to to get on a channel like CW. You know, we saw so much news about Fox and some other entities like that. But they do get on TV, which I think is really important. You know, we take a look at the numbers. CW reaches about 120 million U.S. households. YouTube reaches a far greater number than that, either U.S. US bound or yeah. globally too. Yeah. But at the end of the day, in my my honest opinion, this could be wrong, of course. But I think you need to get on like a channel per se, rather than having your users have to go to YouTube. You know, most people have smart TVs, so it's pretty easy to get to YouTube and type in Live Golf and click on that. But I think you're going to have more people tuning in to a channel that they can just put, you know, whatever channel CW is on on your provider and be able to watch Live Golf instead of having to to go on the YouTube app and leaving your traditional cable aspects of things. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, first thing I thought was, well, so much for making the game global, right? That's, cool. that's a good point. I mean, an exclusivity deal with no dollars involved to a network that's only in the U.S. I mean, it feels desperate. It feels borderline desperate. I would think they would still stream on. I'm not, I don't know if they've made any announcements, but I would think they would stream on YouTube for. I the from what I had been right? seeing last week was that they they weren't going to. So how do you watch live if you're? That's the that is the big question to me. That that's the huge error in this entire calculation. They must have a plan. They have to, right? But. Goes back to the point that we talked about in the very beginning. You know, there was a lot of talk about making the game global. There was a ton of talk about the interest, especially in the beginning, uh, in uh, Asian countries and in the Middle East and other places in watching golf, um, watching sports other than soccer on television seems to basically just be an American thing right. to do. So to me, this is just, uh, it's it's another sign that the calculation in the beginning, if we're going to take that calculation at face value, which was that this is about growing the game and this is about uh, giving people who want to watch golf across the world a better product, um, it seems to be that was a little disingenuous. Because yeah, the other yeah. thing too is, is, I mean, 
you know, point to YouTube. A lot more users, over a billion users. Oh, a lot more, yes. But a lot more competition than on cable television or your, you know, your traditional networks. Um, so I guess you know it's interesting, it's odd. Um, I guess if you're if you're CW, your stock just jumped pretty good because all of a sudden you're going to have a bunch of people, at least in the millions, uh, suddenly interested in your network or passively interested in your network. I'm not so sure that this is going to fix anything for Live though, as far as what they're seeing. You know, Saturday afternoon when you're competing against a bunch of other uh, sports, especially in the fall. Yeah. You know, are those ratings going to be any better? There's a reason why the PGA Tour does what it does around football season, right? With its scheduling and with when it's showing different things. Um, you know, even during the winter when you're competing against uh, the playoffs, uh, the NFL playoffs. That's uh, all of those things. I think combined together um, make for a really challenging. Uh, it's going to take time. It's just going to take time for Live to develop an audience. Not saying they can't do it, but there isn't any quick route to it. And this deal it might buy them a it might buy them a, a small bump, but in the grand scheme, this doesn't fix this doesn't fix anything for them. And it feels very desperate. Do you know the details on the revenue sharing? Because I saw something about that. They didn't release from what yeah. I had seen. They hadn't. They weren't releasing anything. Okay, but it, it was. Was, the question initially was, well, who paid what and how much was paid. And that was the 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 essential question. From what I understood, there wasn't any uh, upfront cost for CW because Liv was going to maintain the production costs. There was going to be some revenue sharing. So they I were, saw too, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're going to keep. You know, Liv will keep doing what it does with producing mm -hmm. Liv Golf, and the CW will basically just kind of be a satellite provider. Right. They'll just shoot the stream out into the universe. So. On the good news for Liv, I think they've done a really nice job, I, on my opinion, of staying in the news. You yeah. know, this is a you know a tough time of year, especially up here in the Northeast for golf. Um, no real sun in sight. Yeah. So being able to kind of have these stories come out, you know, you have Patrick Reed suing everybody and anybody that he can think of. You see that story that came out today? Uh, Roy McIlroy threw a tee at him. Well, he threw a tea at, or at or Roy McIlroy. Roy McIlroy, I'm sorry. Yeah. Which because he because Roy wouldn't acknowledge him, which is just <laughs> hilarious. Like, yeah. I hope yeah. Rory sues him. That'd be awesome. Well, and so you know, to that end, I said on the last episode that um, I felt like the Reed news was the kind of stuff that if you're live, you don't want in the headlines. Right. So this, as far as timing goes, the announcement going uh, that CW was going to be their television partner. I think that's about as well timed as it possibly could be because it right. moved the it moved the headlines off of Reed and back onto Live where I think it yeah. needs to be if Live is going to be successful. Right, and then I'm, I'll expect them to have a couple more big announcements. We'll hear about uh, OWGR points, something we've talked a lot about. If there's any update with that, and uh, possibly if, if anyone else goes over there, which doesn't look likely at this moment, but that can always change. Yeah, and I think OWGR will. We're going to get into here the the American Express, but I think OWGR is starting to show some faults uh, for everybody in golf, not just the, the live guys. All right, well, you previewed the American Express. Let's talk about it. We talked about John Rahm off the top. Gets his second win in as many starts, uh, 27 under par. Uh, beat out rookie Davis Thompson, who held the second round lead after two rounds over there in California. And um, Rahm won that tournament by one stroke. Like I said, gets his second win, his ninth career PGA Tour win. And um, just playing some unbelievable golf. 
Um, I have a little bit to talk about with Davis Thompson, but first let's talk about John Rahm. Is he the best player in the world in your eyes right now? He would, might not be an OWGR, which is something that we could talk about in the fall. You know, he hasn't jumped up to one. He's been playing this incredible golf. Not only the PGA Tour, he's played well overseas too lately. So that's a fault of OWGR maybe, but let's go back to the original question. Is he the best golfer right now in your opinion? I think right now, yes, he is. But he is the best golfer in the world in the same way that Scotty Scheffler last year at this time was the best golfer in the world. Right. Or, you know, fast forward a month or a month and a half, whatever the case may be. We see this all the time. Do I think John Rahm is better than Rory McIlroy? No. Rory McIlroy is the best golfer in the world. Right now, John Rahm's playing better than Rory, though, in my opinion. But he is not the best. I think there's a difference, yeah, right? right? Because we get we get stuck in that, like, it's not it's kind of prisoner in the moment, but at the same time, it's not. Like, if we're, to, if we're taking the big picture, John Rahm is not the best golfer in the world. Right this second, he is the hottest golfer in the world and probably the best golfer in the world. But not it, you, it's not the same. It's just like... You know, I make that Scotty Scheffler comparison because last fall and late last summer, he really looked like a completely different uh, competitor at that point. So, you know, um, he's on a he's on a hot streak. Obviously, he's got the game that could carry this through the entire season and just have an absurd, you know, run up some absurd stats the entire year. And maybe that's a conversation we're having at the end of this FedEx Cup cycle where we're saying John Rom is like without a question, the best golfer in the world right now. And we're having that conversation more as a total body of work rather than just, you know, out of his last eight starts, he's been really, really, really good. Right. Um, you know, I, I think the, the bigger issue to me, two issues. One is the, the ranking points. What OWGR is is giving to these smaller field events is a huge issue for the PGA Tour because it shows that they probably rushed into this small field, big point uh, scenario. Yeah, they kind of forced their hand with that, right? Like they didn't think this through. Obviously, somebody didn't calculate something because I'm quite sure that if they realized that for a small field event and a large not top 60 guy event, you are going to be getting effectively the same number of points that someone would have said, well, wait a second, we need to reevaluate this. Unless it was purely about getting big, high profile names on TV. If that was the only goal, then I guess mission accomplished. And this is just something that'll have to sort itself yeah, out I think over they, time. Th that was one of the goals in my mind. And the other goal being keeping these players here. You know, keeping yeah. John, the John Roms, the Roy McElroys. Dumping more money into it. Right. Just dumping more. And yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm the other issue that I have, especially after this past weekend, minus 27, like 27 under par. This week, you'll see I, uh, it's, it's not as much as a birdie fest this week. I think they'll still play. They'll still rip up um, one of the courses. They play a couple different courses for, for this next event. And I think they rip up one of them. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think the North course they rip up pretty good. Um, so it'll be a little bit less, I think, but it'll still be a, a good birdie fest because they'll get their birdies on that course. It just gets to the point, though. Um, I think we've seen through the majors that any golf course, more or less, can be set up mm -hmm. to keep scoring down. And for a lot of events, it seems, especially in the beginning of the year when they're out west or they're in Hawaii, that's just not happening. Right. Um I do not love seeing like week after week after week. I think this is like maybe the third out of four weeks where the, the winner has been like north of 23, 24 under par. Yep. I mean, that's 
that's a lot. For sure. That's tough. I, I, that to me isn't isn't cool. Um, that said, maybe there are maybe maybe that's preferred. Maybe score fests are exactly what people want to see. Right. Um, lots of birdies and everything like that. Um, not necessarily the best test to see who the best golfers in the world though are. Davis Thompson um, really stepped on that and took took worth of it because he had five eagles over the first two days. Huge. Which yeah. I believe is a PGA Tour record, or if not, a shared record, um, which is pretty cool. But I want to talk about him. You know, a rookie on the tour, um, only, only I think he's about 21 or 22 years old. And he was on eight. They're on 18. John Rahm's holding a one-shot lead. And um, Davis hits his second shot over over the green into kind of like a little swole area. And John Rahm knocks this on the green. He's got about a 20, 25-footer. And Davis has to chip up, and he basically needs to hold a putt because, I mean, if, but if John Rahm makes this putt, it doesn't matter. But he, Davis basically needs to hold a putt. So you're sitting there thinking about Davis Thompson, like what's going through his head, right? So if I hold this putt, I have a chance to in playoff. If I make knock it close, you know, I can still make a ton of money because it's you know, especially for a rookie, 22 year old, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And or or I can, and this is what came to my head, of course, I can. He's got a tough shot up the hill. And it's hard to stop the ball too with past the green. Yeah. So it's very easy to make a five, six, mm-hmm. very, very, very easily. You know, you're trying to hold that putt. It's easy to knock it by 25 feet and struggle inbound and make significantly less money. So he gets up there and he, and he almost holds it. He knocks it to about three or four feet and he, it just rolled by the right side of the cup. And I'm just sitting there watching it. Like if I was in that shoes, I, I might blade it into. <laughs> You know the the next the next hole. You know, and so it's yeah. it's. I thought it was really impressive from Davis. You know, because it would be so easy for him to hit that shot short and then have that five six footer. But he went at the pin and he almost made it, and that would have been cool. Rom ended up Rom ended up two putting. So that would if that would have went in, it would have um it would have tied him for the playoff. But I think if Rom had seen that go in, he would have been a little bit more aggressive. He knew he had two putts to win, so he kind of just lagged that one up there and tapped him for the victory. Strong showing and uh, shows how ultra, I keep saying it over and over again, shows how ultra competitive professional golf has become. Well, especially the young guys too. They come out of college and some of those guys can hit it just so far and there's no they, fear either. They play like season. They play like seasoned professionals. Like right. They're, they're standing, he's standing like, on the tee next to John Rahm, yeah. who has at the time had eight PGA Tour victories and a major. And John Rahm's an intimidating figure too, just yeah. because of his size. So... You know, he's sitting there down one shot. Davis gets up there and he absolutely stripes a drive or stripes a three wood down the right side of the fairway. Yeah. So it's it's just I it's it's cool that the uh, I would for lack of a better term the nails these guys have on them to be able to perform at these big moments. Got to got to handle so cool. your business and yeah. it it's cool to see guys like this crop up because it gives the tour new faces, mm-hmm. fresh faces for fans to start to get behind and you know develop yeah. that brand around davis is a good name too i like the name davis but going into next week uh farmers insurance open we'll stay in california this time we'll just move over to tory pines and so uh, we got 156 golfers uh, like i mentioned josh to your happiness it seems to be less of a birdie fest <laughs> thank god that remains to be seen what'll happen uh, last year's champion luke list um his first pga tour win so uh, now that we talked about that a little bit, let's get into our prediction hour. Josh, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I'll go first because I think my pick is going to maybe like okay. surprise some. And then after after predictions, I have a couple fun stats on the uh, on the DraftKings Sportsbook, of which Paul is about to pull up for us Dig and uh, show us some really, really fun stuff. So Tony Fino, that's my winner pick, <laughs> right? This guy. Uh, 
I'm also I like Siwoo Kim at plus thirty three and Max Homa at plus twenty two. If we're talking about the betting side, I feel like they're kind of like middle of the road guys that that have shown some signs of life over the last uh, mm-hmm. few weeks. Colin Morikawa at plus twelve feels like. I mean, I don't know if it's... I, I wrote down in my notes that it's like a crime against his psyche. Right. But I don't know I don't know who it's a crime against because it is just... It should not be. It should not be. Yeah. He, can, he has not shown... He has not shown the ability to close right. recently. Would love to see Not it. just recently, but like now this is kind of becoming a thing where people are starting to wonder if like that's mm-hmm. a Colin thing. I can't imagine being favored like that in a field like this if you're because he's clearly struggling to close that can't possibly be good on his own brain as he heads into the week right like that would just add stress in my mind i think it's the opposite for some of those pga tour players they say you know these guys are doubting me i'm gonna go you know shove it up the haters you know shut shut those guys up so it's that's pretty cool for colin if he's able to do that um my pick also cali boy just like uh just like colin uh, Xander Schauffele. Yeah, I think he's about a pl- I think he's about eleven to one on the green book over there. And I, Xander's playing some good golf. This is basically a home game for him. You know, I think he's from about twenty-ish minutes away from Torrey Pines, so he's been playing some good golf lately in good form. So we'll see him try to cross and get on the uh, leaders' podium at the end of this one. Um, some interesting notes out of this one. Um, John Rahm is the leader in, in terms of favorites. Obviously, he's plus four fifty, so four and a half to one. <laughs> For a golf tournament, that's the sense I've been really looking at odds uh, since it's been legal here in New York for about a year, a little over a year. That's the lowest I've seen. Yeah, yeah i I don't think i've I don't think I've seen one lower. I've seen some in like the eight hundred range. It right. seems like usually about yeah that seven eight hundred range is something you see. Yeah. It's something you see. So I did a little bit more diving to try to figure out um, the lowest um, possible ones before the tour, and of course you land on Tiger Woods, <laughs> and this is just amazing. So. Uh, back, he's been three times in his career in majors. I'll repeat that because it's not just in regular tournaments; it's in majors. Tiger Woods has been two to one, so plus two hundred in events at majors: the tw- 2002 Masters, the 2002 U.S. Open, and the 2008 U.S. Open. And to make it even better, he won those three events. It's crazy. Plus two hundred, crazy. Uh, betting was a little bit less popular back then, but still headlines on it. Betting um, was a little less popular, and also the game of golf was vastly different right then. Um, impressive. Imagine betting a guy to win a four-day tournament at two to one odds, and being and that's the best bet because he's going to win, right? Yeah, in a field of 140. Right, <laughs> 140. Pretty like, amazing. It it seems well, and that goes back to like the betting thing that we've talked about a million times. Golf before an event starts is, in my opinion the absolute hardest oh it's so hard to bet because you're literally picking you like betting after day three right yeah the, after day three is yeah. my is my philosophy sometime we'll actually sometime on the podcast here we'll actually get into a whole the whole system that i have for that um but yeah i think after you've seen a few rounds of golf because mm-hmm. that's the other thing too about like all of these odds like you have no idea what anybody's going to go out and do on thursday right. and you know half the guys that are you know plus plus uh 2000 or better could go shoot three over par right and opening day and they're just they're, they're done. out they're right. done like it's over especially in these tournaments where you have to you can't you need have to a score. day where you shoot 
worse than three under par to win the golf tournament. Right. It's hard. You shoot you gotta shoot sixty eight at the absolute highest. Wasn't the cut last weekend something like nine under par? Yeah, something crazy. It was like ridiculous that, yeah. like just completely <laughs> ridiculous. You shoot I, you I, shoot an average of four and a half <laughs> under par two days in a row in a professional event and you just you sent home. I saw loser. someone someone wrote, you know, like nine under cut, like find a new profession. <laughs> yeah, you know, like literally at that point. But you won't be able to take advantage of the DraftKings boost this week, Josh, because they're doing a, a really cool thing that I like to see them do. Uh, before tournament starts, so pre-tourney odds boost plus two hundred on anybody. So um, interesting. Go ahead over to the green book, as, as Paul and I call it. No, no free ads. But DraftKings <laughs> were able to say it there because it's just a really sweet boost, in my opinion. So you could take a guy like John Rahm, move him from plus four fifty over to plus six fifty. Okay, and that seems pretty good to me. Paul, I, like I see that. you over there. You've been studying the uh, the lines. Do you have a Do you have a guy that pops out to you? Um, Sanjay M intrigues me. What's he at? Okay. Uh, he is currently at, where'd he go? Around mid twos. Yeah. Yeah. He's at, he's at plus 200 or 2000 right now. Yeah. That's a good number. Yeah. You I almost got Tom Kim last week. I did, huh? Yeah. I did do Tom Kim post, post Saturday for a top five and that backfired. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say too bad. Was, he, was six. he was in sixth place. So yeah. 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 I was a good bet. Oh, I just yeah. missed out. <laughs> yeah. Um, Betting on golf is a lot of fun too, especially when you're watching it watching it on TV, because you can bet literally like you can. So Josh Durso steps up with the first tee at Augusta. Will he get the fairway? Yeah, and that's just fun. Like it's it can get you into trouble. You got to be really responsible with it, but yes. it's it can be a yes, lot of fun to, to to bet that. Um, there's some some entities. I know Barstool does it, where they have like a live stream for like some of the majors. I'll do a couple hours of it, and you have all these guys cheering for a guy at the fairway. It's just, it's just fun. I yeah. like that about it. It's it's one yeah. There's golf again. Unlike a lot of other sports, there's more opportunities for really kind of niche side bets. And right. That's the only just cool. The only thing I've talked think, thought about with betting and is one thing that's interesting, and we haven't seen much of it, which is really good, is that golf can be really influenced in my mind by outside things. And once you include betting into that, and I know they've really been trying to tiptoe this line and figure out the right way, is something that's is is uh, a little bit scary. So you know you could have. Colin Morikawa, for example, total example, has has a seven footer to win the Masters, and you have or to any other tournament, and they maybe they make a noise or something of that nature to try to influence that. That's something they have to bother, and that's something they have to kind of get over. And they haven't had any of that. That's been luckily not. Yeah, involved. I was gonna say that. I think I feel like that's more of a a, a really out there what if situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, Pretty, it's not right. that likely to happen. And in the Masters, they would they would lock they would put they would. Lock you up, throw away the key if you did that. I mean, so. you heard and you saw way more during, you want to talk about something you saw way more frequently during like the Tiger era. Yeah. You saw and heard because of what he brought to the game, way more, you know, buzz and activity and shuffling and noises and things like that on the golf course than you do now in terms of like actually causing players to like stop playing. Right. Back off of a shot or whatever the case may be. Um, let's shift gears here and talk about the topic that I was personally most excited for. So Golf Digest shared a list of a few of the oddest sponsorships in golf history, which included McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Burberry, Five Hour Energy, Waffle House, uh, the NFL, uh, Nike before the Tiger era, and Corona Premier. Uh, Paul's got a graphic up on the screen right now. It's showcasing all of these absolute gems. Uh, the question is, it's 2023. You have the chance to choose one to ride with Nate if you're a touring professional. Uh, part one, 
which stands out to you as the strangest. And then the second part would be, who would you want on the bag if you had to pick a, a bizarre left field uh, sponsor? Uh, just looking at that graphic, uh, P.F. Chang's for me is the strangest <laughs> out of that bunch. I just think that's just hilarious. That, that is hilarious. That. But I, I did some thinking about which one I, I would um, on my bag. And I admittedly did more of thinking than that than ever practicing for my golf game. <laughs> so you won't see me touring on, on uh, the PGA Tour anytime soon. But I think I would kind of go back to where I was from, kind of find a local, whether it be a diner, a pub, or a burger joint. And I would want to get an, a, like a burger or a sandwich named after me. I think that would be really, really cool. Maybe not something that could be on your bag, of course. Of course not. But I just think that would be cool, you know, to go back to your hometown one day and get a burger named after you, the Charmin Burger, something like that of that nature, and how cool that would be. I like that idea. I like that, except I feel like if you are a touring professional, I feel like you have the clout to go back to your hometown to like a restaurant and be like, yo, name a name a burger after me. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be that wouldn't I mean, go on my bag at all, of course, because it doesn't really hold any weight. But who would, on my who would bag, you put on your bag? <laughs> you're going to laugh at my decision here. Aldi. <laughs> My okay. favorite supermarket yep. and one that I think is the most efficient. <laughs> yep. And so, you know, you have a lot of these other options that have been taken. I think, you know, having Aldi on the side of your bag, not Aldi's, Aldi on the side <laughs> of your bag and, and being able to represent them would be really cool. Okay. So I like your, I like your local roots idea, but I'm going to completely skip that. I've, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that stands out to me as the most bizarre and also the most awesome at the same time is from the, the list that we had there is Waffle House. Oh yeah, Waffle that, House is awesome. I, it's just, that's awesome. <laughs> um, especially given that the entire bag is like branded Waffle House yellow. <laughs> so the whole bag is Waffle House yellow, which just stands out like an incredibly sore thumb. Which is an interesting color for a golf bag. Oh my God, it's, it's just an, an unusual, because it's like a mustard yellow. It's not like right. a neon yellow or, or a kind of yellow that we're used to seeing in golf. Um, if I had to choose one, though, and it's interesting, I didn't even realize that you had chosen a grocery store. I, too, chose a grocery store, but I went with Wegmans because, oh. to me, it's, it's that, it's that cross-section. Like, it's popular beyond just a small place or region. Um, not that Aldi is regional, but I feel like it's maybe a little less known outside of, like, the the main Northeast area. Um, Wegmans is continuing to grow right. all up and down the Eastern seaboard. Um, and I think that it would be really cool to have that logo on my golf bag. And it also wouldn't, this is another thing, it wouldn't stand out that bad because they have a pretty matte logo. I like the logo. The Wegmans logo is a good logo. It's very, it's, it's not like crazy in your face. It's just very like abstract, simple, uh, it works. It works perfectly fine on a golf bag. Maybe they can throw you a couple rotisserie chickens and rotisserie, a few bagels. $20 rotisserie chicken. Keep <laughs> it moving, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, to me, that is probably the, the most interesting topic we've debated here in a while because we, we don't see unusual sponsors. You know how tiring it is just seeing these like financial advisory firms on like every golf commercial and golf right. bag and under the, or the, the Whopper sun. commercial. Like it's just it's so tired of seeing any of them. Don't care about any of them. Right. I agree. Yeah. 
Uh, one more topic I think will be fun too, just like the sponsorship one. So <laughs> they place you, uh, you have one putt to, to, ch to chance to win some money, but you, get, you only have one opportunity and you get to choose how long it is and that'll kind of tell you how much you make. So for example, a foot is 10,000, two feet, 20,000, so on and so forth, three feet, 30K, and so on and so forth. Um, Paul, we'll have you chime in on this one too, for sure. Um, Josh, we'll have to start with you and uh, we'll get into, I'll, I think I know your answer already because we were talking about it a little bit before the pod, but I'd love to see your answer. So assuming that this is a, a not treacherous- a Straight putt. Like a relatively straight- putt in golf, a straight putt. Relatively straight putt. I'm gonna settle in around 10 feet. I'm gonna take a 10 footer. Hmm. It's a balance, to me, it's a balance between risk and reward. I and would, yeah. I, I don't, you know, how terrible would you feel if, God forbid, you missed a one-footer for $10,000? Is it possible to miss a one-footer? I've seen, I've seen some things. A straight one-footer, so. though? Like a straight one-footer. I think it's, you know, one foot. We're not talking about, you know, nothing here. Like, it can, it can go wrong. Yeah. Well, you I, would think feel, I think you would feel, at least me personally, I would feel worse missing a one, two, or three-footer, albeit for less money, than if I miss a 10-footer or even a 15-footer for more money. Right. Just because like, if I miss a one, two, or three-footer, I'm literally gonna ask, say to myself, what are you doing? You shouldn't even be on a golf course. You suck beyond anything else. Well, there's that, yeah. Right. I think we need to preface it. I would have thought you would have taken a longer putt because if you don't know Josh Gerson in person, one of the better putters I've ever <laughs> played with. So I, I thought you would have taken a longer putt than you 10 can't feet. Go, you, can't go, like, you can't go too long. I it thought you would have taken something. like 12, 12 to 15 was my guess for you. I mean, like, I feel like outside of 10 feet, like you might as well just jump to like 20 feet. That's probably true. Yeah. Just, it's a straight putt. I mean, get it online get and it online, yeah. hope for the best. I think I would do two feet. Just take my 20K. Two feet. Keep it moving. Two feet, 20 You've seen 000. me putt. Oh man. I've seen, yeah, it is, it's, it's tough. Oof. It's tough. Um, But I, to that end though, why not three? Why not three feet? We do the same thing for 10 though. Why not 11? Right? Well, and that that's the point. But you're saying that you're choosing two feet because you feel like you're not as good a putter. Right. I think this, I don't know if the statistics in front of me and I'm not a stats guy. I think <laughs> after you get but beyond two feet, this is my prediction, that the you're, you start to drop. Yeah. I think your statistics start to really fall Yeah, for amateur golfers, absolutely. It just starts falling to pieces. Right. Yeah. What about I, you, Paul? What's your answer? Um, I'm going to kind of take the josh route on this one i'm just more comfortable the further i am out so hmm. i'll go ahead i'll line up from 10 or 15 and rather run the risk that way than than yeah. go short all right house money i like it gambling gambling on house money <laughs> yeah i guess so i mean that's just you know it's the other thing too is i personally this would be a lot easier for me to consider if it was like a slight right to left breaker Straight putt. No, it's straight putt. Hardest straight putt. putt. Straight putt literally becomes challenge. Like that literally yeah. becomes more challenging. Right. It gets in your head and you think all oh, this should be easy. I don't know. I'll I'll think about it this week and maybe I'll maybe I'll want to reconsider next week. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Anything else we have today or that's it. All right. So uh thanks for listening to this episode of Out of Bounds. We'll be back next week, probably on Tuesday, to talk more golf local headlines and pro. So be for, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Twitter. And whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging.
You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website at FingerLakes1.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Out of Bounds FL1. See you next time on Out of Bounds.